breakfast. The DL Debate with Sister Sarah's Letterkenny, serving food you'll love till 9pm daily in Sarah's Kitchen. Welcome on all to the DL Debate. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is your weekly GA show and podcast here on Highland Radio, covering all matters of GA in Donegal and nationally. And it's another packed show we have this evening with a variety of guests coming on. We're going to speak with hurling boss uh, Mickey McCann later in the show after his Saints now defeat to Tyrone in the Nicky Racker Cup. We're going to speak with Donegal Democrat sports editor Alan Foley as we round up all the weekend's action from the club scene. And of course, a look ahead to the Ulster final, our ladies in Ulster final with Armagh next week and Donegal playing Derry in the men's senior final the following week. We'll also have a look across at the Miners' victory over Monaghan at the weekend and a real topsy-turvy encounter, but we come out winners 4-12 to 3-7, setting up a semi-final pairing with Tyrone. Uh, we're also going to hear from Jerry McLaughlin, who is a well-known uh, GA correspondent, author, and a poet as well. We're going to have a bit of poetry on the DL debate. Stay tuned for that at the end of the show this evening. It'll be great to hear from Jerry. But first up, we're going to talk to a man who knows a thing or two about the Ulster Championship and, of course, a thing or two about Derry's remarkable victory over Monaghan yesterday. Derry sharpshooter Paddy Bradley is on the line. Paddy, how are you this evening? Not too bad, Brendan, not too bad. Obviously, good form today after Derry's victory yesterday. Good form today is right, Paddy. I'll tell you, you're on the up and up. People were saying to me last week, who, who do you want? Do you want uh, Derry or Monaghan? I was like, I wasn't sure. <laughs> after the first uh, 20 minutes of that game today, I was, uh, yesterday, I was thinking, well, definitely Monaghan because Derry are playing some fantastic football, Paddy. They are, look, and I suppose a lot of people, even myself, question how... How good Derry were after the throwing game because you know it was a very very flat performance from throwing, albeit Derry were very good. And I suppose the criticism that maybe has been levelled Derry for quite a while now, and even going back to whenever I was playing, was that we couldn't back up a, a, a one real good performance with another one. But we put that to bed yesterday. I thought they were exceptional. At times I rode their luck. You know, Monaghan had a lot of ways, but it has to be said Derry's defending was very good, and you know the chances that Monaghan were creating they were put under severe pressure. So I think Derry thoroughly deserved the one yesterday and it's just great to be back in an Ulster final after a long, a long time away from it and Paddy you know people no one really understands the county you know but people in it what, what has been the vibe and obviously the whole talk going down to Division 4 there was underage great colleges teams there Paddy there was good underage teams obviously your club championship is as good as anyone if not the best so there obviously was the pedigree there but it was as if you know Derry had to go down that very bottom and, and get the right man in and now there's this push of, of a team a hungry team and you know in the modern game now Paddy, it's, it's about going to it's about those training sessions and those gym sessions day in day out so there's a real galvanising force now coming behind Derry and they have the talent as well so that's what's making them such a dangerous proposition Well that's the thing about it um, you know everything you know, right from the bottom up has, has been looked at in Derry over the course of the last five, six, seven years. As you said, we had that rock bottom. We were in Division 4. There was a lot of questions asked. You know, the minors, the under-20s, there's a lot of Africa in there at that level. And obviously the seniors have got Rory in now. And, you know, in fairness to them, the boys are buying in. Um, like I, I, I've been involved with under-20s. I see the amount of effort and the amount of time that's put into it. They're training like, like professionals, like you expect at the top level. Um, I'd say... The frustrating thing is whenever you do that for years and maybe don't get your awards and maybe get into the likes of an Ulster final, but it's great that they've done that because I suppose if, if you're putting that you know six days a week, seven days a week effort in and maybe not getting anything at the end of it, it's very, very hard to maintain that and keep that going. But the fact they've got to an Ulster final, they see that I suppose it's paying dividends and that'll obviously you know give the whole county a boost. And you know, I've I've always felt with the calibre of players that they have, obviously, you know, you've Christian McKeague, Britton Rogers, a Slack Neil contingent, the likes of Gareth McKinley, Shane McGuigan, you know, they 
hire are fit to compete with the best teams. As I say, the one criticism would be they maybe don't do it consistently enough. But as I say, it's good that they have. We've got that. We were the consistency under arena. And and tell me, Paddy, that that I suppose them two games, the, the Ross Common game, when you know there was a lot of question marks about the the foul and and McGuigan and all that, and then you had the Galway game at home. I think those are two games that that threw up uh, people's question marks over Derry in terms of like joining that kind of really being a top five team, but. They've really answered them now, but I mean, talk about dispatching teams. I mean, two fifty-three points up after twenty-nine minutes. I mean, they just looked like a, a team that was operating on another level to Monaghan. And were you surprised at how uh, how far ahead Derry were at that point? I probably, you know, you know, the one thing Monaghan looked as if they were shell shocked by how Derry started the game, which is surprising because obviously they had the throwing game to they study and to analyze, and you, you thought Monaghan would be, you know, be better, better prepared and better ready. But you know, Derry have so much pace in their team, and you know they're very, very well set up. And looking, credit has to go to the management team for for how they're set up. You know, they're defensively they're very, very hard to break down. They probably learnt a lot from from that Galway game, um, and the Galway game I was at it. Part of the problem that day was Galway had a real high press on the, on the day kick out and Oren Lynch was put under severe pressure and gave a couple away. They probably learnt their lesson from that. You see yesterday, Monaghan put on a high press, but you know every ball was kicked out to the middle of the field. If they were going to concede a score, it was going to be from a long kick out and you know, Monaghan were going to have to work really, really hard for it. There was no chances with short kickers to give Monaghan easy goal chances. And Look, you know, as I say, all credit to the management for learning. Um, and, and the one thing that's really impressed me was is their attacking play. We all know that you know Rory Gallagher likes that you know, getting men behind the ball and making making teams hard, the teams he manages hard to break down. But but Derry are attacking with so much flair and pace, and they're adding numbers to the attack. And I say it's it's reaping reaping the rewards. You know, they're, they're, they're kicking some fantastic scores, and the, the goals yesterday came at crucial times. And the execution of the goals, I thought, was fantastic. And again, that's something that any manager will always work on. Is you know, whenever you get your goal chances, you must take them. And, and, and Derry certainly are doing that there. And as I say, that's the reason why they're in an Ulster final because I felt, you know. When the goals came, they were during periods that Monaghan were putting a wee bit of pressure on and maybe starting to get back into the game. But you know the killer blows are the goals, and, and, and Derry took them, and, and that's what seen them through. Yeah, it's interesting you say about the league, Paddy. And listen, I was saying the same about Donegal. There's some kind of poor performances in the league, but it was the league. You know, you haven't got full squad. You're supposed to try things out and learn things. And sometimes, as you know, Paddy, if you're going to get beat, you're better off getting hammered because it kind of resets everything. So Rory's learned from that, and he obviously took for Manor. They lost their final a couple of seasons ago against their guys. But he just hadn't got that talent, no disrespect to him, and he hadn't got the talent that he has now, and as you said, the pace. I mean, McKinless yesterday, going in this championship, you know, in, a na- in nationwide terms, not a lot of guys would have known this guy. They, they know him now, you know. And so Some of the, the Emmett Bradley's inspiration on score, that run, um, Paddy, phenomenal stuff. Talk about the lifting teams in championship, but the real lad there, Benny Hearn, you know, that that's a guy that soldiered for years there, Paddy, when things was tough. And, you know, it's fantastic to see like lads like that now being... You know, being in Ulster's a, a pivotal day in, in championship, and and him uh, having a great season as well so far. I look. That's the thing about it. A team's only as good as the sum of all its parts, and you know, Derry have their marquee players. You know, we talk about I've said Rogers and McKay and Shane McGuigan and McKinless, Connor Glass, the main players. But the likes of Shea Downey, I thought yesterday was brilliant. I thought Benny Hearn. Very, very good. As I say, as you said yourself, he's soldier for for many a year, and probably wouldn't been say one of Derry's star players. But he's hard working. He's committed. You know, Rory's getting the best out of him. You know, um, and Paul Casty, who you know, I taught Paul Casty in school there four or five years ago. And again, he doesn't maybe get on the scoreboard that well much, but you know, he pops up with a crucial score here and there, and his work rate's phenomenal. And I say he just sits that system that Rory plays. And you know, as I say, all credit to him for. As I say, I've seen the hard work that gets in. You know, I've watched some of their training sessions over the course of the year. You know, real, real tough stuff. That, 
you know, as I say, they're, they're out six, seven times a week, sometimes twice a day. Rory demands that often. You would know that from being involved, you know, up around Donegal yourself. And, um, you know, as I say, they're, they're, they're getting the rewards and it's great to see. You know, it's a long time since they have played in an Ulster final, obviously a longer game since they won one. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think there's a real good buzz. The fact that they've sort of got that monkey over the back and they've had two performances back to back, um, you know, means they're going we, we know pressure. I think you're right. The league, the, the, the goal result probably came at the right time because they had been playing high in the league and maybe it uh, meant they could reset and maybe you know bring their expectations back down a wee bit ahead of the throwing game. And you know, I say everything's going really, really well at the minute. And I say we're already looking forward to the final. Yeah, yeah, true. There'll be some buzz now, but as you mentioned, those lads, you know, Rogers, McKay, but you know, you've Grogan picking up McManus as well, which shows you the. I suppose the depth of, of strength within that uh, Derry defence that he was picking up with was there was their main man. You see McCallisky as well, you know, from wingback, phenomenal stuff. McGuigan, you know, had, had eight shots between freeze and mark and a couple from play and seven points. So, you know, he, he is that, that fine age inside as well. So set up for a cracker. The only thing might sway it a wee bit, um, Paddy, if, if listen, to, 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 uh, Derry have blown Tyrone away early on and Monaghan and been in command and lead, which allowed them to dictate the game. If they don't get into that lead with Donegal, it will pose, I suppose, a different uh, aspect to the game. I think that's the big thing for Declan Boner. He'll not want Derry to get into a lead. No, and that, that's why, why I was surprised that you know Monaghan were so open in the first ten or fifteen minutes. I, I thought Bunty would have, you know, really put fifteen men behind the ball and made it into a real dogfight and kept, you know, kept a very very low scoring. But I suppose the goals then came at the right time, as I said. Monaghan then probably felt they had to open up and chase the game a wee bit, and then that obviously let Derry sit back in and hit them in the break and use the pace that they had. But no, Donegal are an experienced side, you know, and you'd expect you wouldn't expect. Derry to get things their own way, particularly in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, but look, we said that about Monaghan this week, and, and it happened. So I'm, su- I'm sure it'll be a, a very tactical battle along the line. Um, but look, you know, Donegal, you know, how many Ulster finals, is it 10 Ulster finals in the last 12 years or something? They're very, very experienced. I'm sure that, um, you know, they're probably going to start as favourites. But let's say, Derry have nothing to lose. Um, you know, the big two Division 1 teams, obviously, last year, all the champions, you know, they're on a high. There's a real buzz about the county, and hopefully the players can feed off that. Thanks very much. That's Paddy Bradley, of course, top, top player in his day, and, and, and a great man to get a word here on, on the show um, leading up to this brilliant Ulster final. Now we're going to turn our attention to all other matters in Donegal GE, and I'm joined by Donegal Democrat sports editor Alan Foley. Alan, how are you this evening, sir? All good, Brendan. Thank you for having me. How's things? Always good to talk, uh, Alan. Always great to talk. You've you've always a good handle on things, and there's a lot going on at the minute, Alan. Between the, I suppose we've got Ulster final for for the ladies next week. Donegal senior men the the, the following week against Derry or or minors are in uh, uh, a minors uh, uh, a semi final in the minor championship against Tyrone, and our hurlers went out at the weekend with a club. We've 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 so much going on at the minute. It's hard to keep up with it all. These men must be busy down the Democrat. Yeah, oh, it's all go, Brendan. Um, it is hard to keep up with it. I suppose all you can do is kind of make a half decent plan and then hope it works out. Really, <laughs> no better man. And listen, just just on those games, um, the ladies in in Ulster final action next week against Armagh. Um, Maxi Kern uh, weaving his magic there. Ladies seem to have a fantastic season. Of course, Mark McHugh. Um, involved in the in the backroom team and that, and, and coming into this uh, Ulster final in great form. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny now, Brendan, because like Donegal really never made a serious impact um, in the Ulster Senior Championship until 2015. Since then, you know, they've been probably the dominant force, but Armagh are actually going for three in a row this year. They won the 2020 Championship 
having with Donegal having not contested it. That was the COVID year. Um, so there was kind of a trunch, trunchy sort of an All-Ireland series and Donegal opted not to play in Ulster. Then last year, the competition was uh, split. Donegal had beaten Cavan in the, in the semi-final. It's not connected now to the All-Ireland series, you see. So then they played the All-Ireland series. Donegal ended up getting to the All-Ireland quarter-final where they were beaten by Dublin and Carrick and Shannon and then went back to play the Ulster final afterwards against Armagh. And it would have probably provided a nice you know, end to the season, a bit of consolation. Um, and Armagh actually turned Donegal over that day. They won by a point. Donegal left themselves just too much to do. I think the trail by maybe 10 points at this stage. got back to one, almost forced something out of the game. But um, kind of, they might feel it's something they might have left behind them, Brendan. Yeah. And and still contenders, uh, should they get over Armagh um, this season, Alan? I know they've come up short the last couple of seasons, but they've been... They've been they've been close. They've been competitive. You know, is this is this a big big push you feel from Donegal this year to not only win Ulster but to go all the way? Absolutely, Brendan. I think um, you know it's all just probably in steps. The league campaign they got to the league final at Croke Park. You know, put up a good enough showing against me. Came out on the wrong side of it, but they would have still taken a lot from that. Then they got the Ulster campaign underway um, in Clonus last Sunday week. A comprehensive win over Cavan. It has to be says three nineteen to one eleven and. You know, I would have kind of feared for them last year after that Ulster final because you thought maybe this team is on the decline. There's a lot of like serious mileage on that team, a lot of experience, but you're wondering would they all come back and would they all kind of roll in again? You thought maybe that might be the end of an era. But Maxi's got them all back in there, Brennan, again. And uh, as I said, like they, they came through the last day very comfortably against Cavan. But the Cavan last year put up a score of 217 against Donegal, where the last day they were limited to 111. And I suppose you could even see the change in times with Karen Guthrie not playing. Young Suzanne White from Kelly Beggs, Brendan, she came in for her first ever championship start and kicked 2-3. So, you know, the momentum is moving on. And I think now the next step is to, you know, try and reclaim that Ulster title because they've had a, quite a few ding-dong battles with Armada down the years. The Armada side have steadily improved. I was at an Ulster final, I think there was an Enniskillen. I think all scored 9-21 and that's maybe four years ago. So for Armada to come back and be back-to-back champions, you know, it, it shows that these are the two two uh, predominant teams in the province at the moment. Yes, indeed. Huge effort. Yeah, we spoke to Katie Heron uh, earlier in the year as well, just about that, about everybody coming back and, and such a commitment from, from the squad to keep coming back. And we wish them all the best in this final next week. Get up and support them uh, in Clonus in the big one. And I've, I've seen a lot of sport in my time, as you have, Um the Donegal minor uh, victory over Monaghan. Have you ever seen a, a score rate that you know Donegal re- go on their four sixty two point lead and then yes. you know game over as a minor? You think you remember be, being hammered by teams when you were a kid at underage? You're thinking right, it's game over. And then uh, Monaghan hitting two five and then coming back right back to within a goal, and then Donegal again going going on a going on a scoring uh, spree. It's it, it was an amazing game in terms of uh, you know. Both teams are uh, uh, going on the purple patches and and putting up massive scores. Absolutely, yeah. It went from sixteen of a lead at one stage, I think, down to three. As you said, Brendan, I wasn't at this game. I was just kind of following it on Twitter, and you thought, like, you know, that's over. You know, look and look, Barrett's team would have been, you know, really wanting to bounce back after the disappointment of losing an own bag the week before. And you know yourself, Brendan. Sometimes when teams fall into the back door of these kind of championships, they might lose their way. Uh, the way the Ulster is set up this year, I suppose, you know, it does offer a second chance, which wasn't always the case at minor level. And, you know, I think they, they need to com- be commended too for not buckling, because I'm sure like when Monaghan got back down to it, um, 
you know, with three points in it. Like, I think one of the goals uh, beforehand that Mahan scored, you know, the ball actually made its way up the field after hitting the referee. Um, and at the time, it nearly seemed inconsequential because Donegal were leading by so much. But, uh, you know, it kind of became more and more important the game went on. But Donegal did manage to steady themselves, you know, and, you know, Luca will be, like, they're still in the semi-final. Like, they probably... You know, it's it's true and now it's real. Winner takes all sort of stuff here now, but it wouldn't be great like if they got over this hurdle, they would then be the curtain raiser the following week before the men's final between Donegal and Derry. Yeah, it'd be a huge game for them. It's, I suppose it's one of the things you dream about as a as a minor, not only playing them games, but getting the chance to play before the seniors in a in a packed house. That's how it used to always be, uh, until the, the I suppose that things changed and the fixtures changed the, the way that they have. Um <clears throat> I'm just looking at the your look barred we his interview was on earlier, he's calling it the Titanic battle with Tyrone. These battles with Tyrone are, are coming thick and fast and I suppose they're under 20s then again putting down a marker beating Gildare at the, at the weekend by 6 points, 120 to 114 and you know, massive, another massive All-Ireland and, and something I suppose putting pedigree in these guys and just looking at the at the sons of players there, McLean, Cush, Devlin and of course Canavan who had 1-7 so listen, you'd think the conveyor belt of of town from our neighbours is, is is steady and it's <laughs> these guys are going to be tough in a few years then. Oh yeah, absolutely, Brendan McDonagall managed to get the better of the Toronto Twenties in you know the league final, the the curtain raiser as such. But yeah, like Donegal weren't getting too carried away with that. Gary Duffy and the team just said that day, you know, they wanted games, good competitive games in the springtime, and that's what they got. You kind of got the feeling that Tyrone had more about them and we might see a bit more come the Ulster Under-20 Championship and that proved to be the case. It was an absolute ding-dong. Do you remember in Celtic Park went to extra time Donegal, you know, felt that they could have won it. You know, Tyrone came through in the end. It was a great game of football and then to see Tyrone go on and win, you know, the All-Ireland, even a little bit like last year in the seniors where Donegal, you know, had a little bit of grievances over Michael Murphy, you know, hit the post with a penalty. Michael was sent off then. And Donegal kind of always wonder how far they might have gone uh, had they got through that game because Tyrone went all the way. The same thing has happened now in the Under-20 Championship. So I suppose like Donegal are not far off them at, at all levels. Like They're, they're always um, titanic games and like I think it'll be the same now in the minors this weekend. Yeah, interesting stuff. And, and Alan, what's your, what's your views now um, with, with our neighbours, you know, and Derek, uh, the, the sleeping giant has, <laughs> has started to roar on me. You know, people were talking last week about, you know, what, which team would you want and who would win. That's a very hard game to call. But you had obviously Derry Blitz and uh, Monaghan early doors. And again, that, that running power and tackling ability. And, you know, they just looked, you know, I suppose a lot of comparisons made by, between them and Donegal maybe in, in the first couple of years under Jim. But as it stands now, I think Derry are definitely going to be a much different proposition to what Monaghan would have been in this Ulster final. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like um, I think Brennan, you always knew that Derry had the footballers. They just seemed, didn't seem to kind of be able to coordinate the clubs and the, and the county setup. And that's one thing that Rory has done very well. Uh, like they they have some of the best players going. Like Connor Glass, you know Shane McGuigan, Christian McKay. Like they're absolutely brilliant players, and he's got them now all off singing off the one hem sheet. And like nobody, um, nobody's attention to detail is probably as thorough as Rory Gallagher's. And like down the years, Derry could always kind of catch somebody or trip somebody. And uh, like in many ways, the victory over Monaghan was nearly more impressive because the fact there was expectancy on them where they kind of came from nowhere. nowhere. Nobody would have thought them to go to Healy Park and win by 11 points. Then, that, you know, the eyes of the nation were on them. 
and they followed it up with another great performance. Like you could see how wound up and involved Rory was in the thing. Um, and, you know, the great start got them away. And you, even at halftime, you know, I kind of thought, you know, Monaghan are kind of a kitchen sink sort of team sometimes. And even as we said, they're, they're minors have kind of done it the day before. And you thought maybe, you know, they could still get something from this game. But, you know, then you kind of saw it out. And I think Benny Heron's goal then with about eight or nine minutes to go, that kind of got them over the line. Like, and, you know, they have huge optimism now. And as, as you said, Brennan, they have that kind of the hunger and desire you know, there was nearly shades of, of Tyrone in 2003, um, the famous game against Kerry in Croke Park. But you could see the, how ravenous even Derry were, you know, to win possession. Rory will obviously have a team very well set, but then they break in huge numbers and they have the forward power as well. Mm. Uh, is there another thing that we're going to ask different questions? And I know people say about learning, right? Monaghan were supposed to have learned from what happened to Rowan, but... You know, it's not just to say here, here's the game plan and here's how we nullify it. You know, this dairy team is talented and they're, they're coming with this huge energy. And basically, most sides are playing the same. It's just Rory, I suppose, has got them buying into that, that total mentality you now of, of, of tackling and, and playing for each other and that, which is what you'd want from any team. But I just think we've done it all. They're going to ask a lot of different questions and maybe Monaghan. Monaghan looked a bit jaded in that game. Not many of the players played well in it. And we have been, listen, I know that that's the first half against Cavan. I mean, for example, if we play together against Derry, then it's game over already, Alan. So, you know, the Donegal management team and, and the players know what's ahead of them. You know, certainly we can't we can't let Derry outgoal us. We can't let them get in the elite because that's going to just suit their style of play. So if Donegal can turn the tables on them, and we have plenty of players to do that, and if we could get a lead on them, you know, you might then be asking questions now in the championship of, of Derry that haven't been asked. Exactly. And like as I said, I thought maybe Monaghan at halftime had a bit of a chance, but the more you watch the second half, you thought like this is set up for Derry basically because of the counter-attack element they have. And even though like they're very systematic in what they do, but that does not nullify their flair, if that makes sense. You know, you know that they have the basics in there and then they have the flair to move it on. As you said about the first half, Donegal showed against Cavan. If they show that again, you know, you could be in trouble. But, like, I think the standard of player Donegal has is, I still think it's, as, you know, as good as anything in the province, uh, really. Like, there's never much between Donegal and Tyrone, really. Just a kick of the ball sometimes, it's just maybe a bounce of it, a, a referee's decision. So, like, down the years, this is Donegal, they've good experience of this level now with 10 finals in 12 seasons. And I suppose even that experience showed against Cavan. From a personal level, like, and it's not up to anybody to listen to, to me, but I, I just think with the two goals Donegal scored against Cavan, that were finished well, admittedly, by Conor O'Donnell and Patrick McBurdy, but they kind of came about because nearly of missed kicks from Jamie Brennan, first of all, and then Niall O'Donnell. Mm. I just think that we have the kind of players where you can kind of mix a game. Like, we have the obvious running power of Owen Van Gallagher, Ryan McHugh, Patter Mogan, etc., um, and I also think Michael Murphy, no matter what way you debate it, Brendan, he's not going to spend 70 minutes on the edge of that square, whether you want him or not. But he has a propensity to drift in and drift out. So why not just, you know, if he's in there, sling a one or two in there and just see what, what happens. Because like that's kind of what happened against Cavan. If you look for the first goal, Michael Murphy actually didn't even really jump to contest the ball. But just the panic stations it caused. The second goal, Patrick McBurdy almost stood his ground as well. Uh, maybe just taking... The chance that the ball would drop to him, and it did because of Killian Clark. So I think, yeah, we could kind of mix it up in that. And as I said, like Rory said right after the game yesterday on BBC that, you know, he hasn't really thought about Donegal. Um, you know, he had only eyes for Tyrone and then for Monaghan. 
which you know is probably the case. But like he's a pretty decent template to work off from last year, where they pushed on a goal right to the limit, and only for a late Patrick McBurdy score, you know, we sneak through by a point. Yeah. It was one of those kind of jittery performances from us, but as you said, and we still got across the line, and I think we're better this year, and we've more options this year. You know, we've pretty much a, a clean bill of health near enough. And you're right, even with that long ball in them, what what that does is is that the two banks of defensive lines get set up. If you've got a long option in there, which means you can stretch that. So even if you're causing some players in the full back then to drop deeper, you might open up a gap where. You go to hit it long, you go to hit the diagonal, but a Mogan or a McHugh or somebody then gets in behind the line and the hand passes on. That ball's never on while the defence is set. So it's all about trying yeah, to hold open that defence and try and create a situation where you're not playing in the, a big line of, of defenders, that you're either going diagonal over the top or you're at least, I suppose, causing a bit of um, confusion in their defence where you get a nippy player in the round. Now, we have both of them options now. Absolutely, yeah. Like, cause, you know, you saw it for years with Kerry, with, you know, Kieran Donny and Gooch, where Gooch would almost sometimes just stand back and wait on the breaks. And, like, that's perfect for, say, a JB Brown type player for Donegal as well. Um, and I think it's just to do the kind of the quality of the ball. Like, Jim, Jim McGuinness used to always kind of talk about the under 21 final in the year 2010 that he had the team, where Rory O'Carroll, Brendan got banned the match, but basically, you know, having watched the game back. McGinnis kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, we we're kind of hopping balls into him and they're all out in front of him and they played it too easy for him. So I remember even working with Rory Kavanagh when he was doing his book, you know, and, and he says before they got to play Dublin in 2014, the instruction was, you know, you put in that ball diagonal, but you put in the type of ball where a fullback is turning, it's over his shoulder. Michael Murphy's literally breathing down his neck. And even that day, I think it was Rory himself put the ball in. Uh, Michael Murphy challenged Michael Fitzsimons, I think it was. The ball broke to Colin McFadden and Ryan McHugh scored his first goal that day. There was a similar type goal this year, Brennan, in the league at Crook Park where Ryan McHugh put in a lovely diagonal ball as well over the shoulder for Michael Murphy. So it's about this type of ball in as well yeah. um, that can kind of unset the defence. And as I said, like you said there as well, there's plenty of runners and plenty of people kind of that will come in late on, on, on the scene you know, to pick up the pieces there. So as I said, we don't have to go that way all the time. But I just think that with the type of player we have, we, we could vary it. Like, and even from the tee, Sean Patton, you know, he's he's got the ability to go short or long, and, and it kind of forced teams to think. And I think that's really what got the better of Armagh in the opening round this year, Ron. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, good stuff. Looking forward to this game, mate. Set up for a classic. Um, tell me, um, club leagues are, are on there. Is it is it kind of more like a pre season than 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 leagues at the minute, or is there sides in there saying, "Hey, we need we need points now. <laughs> we need to." Stay in the division. How do you see the league games at the minute? Yeah, it's funny because you know the leagues. Uh, there's just three divisions now instead of four, so th- those divisions are, are bigger. Um, so you probably have more mismatches now between the teams. Like some of the games I've seen are essentially, as you said, they're, they're like challenge matches, and like some teams are actually playing their league games at the weekend, and then they're arranging like challenge games outside the country or whatever, which are probably more competitive. Um, I think it's maybe just the way sport is now at the minute in general. Like you know, like where there's so much focus put on on the big prize, you kind of see it a bit in, in the intercounty thing as well. Like because like nobody really is that fast who wins the Alliance League, even though the competition itself is good to watch at the time of year. With teams just putting like like managers aren't aren't, aren't remembered by winning all county league titles. Brendan, you played for St. Junins for how long? Do you know how many All-County League titles you won? <laughs> You've put me on the spot now. <laughs> Honestly, God, yeah, yeah. 
So it's uh, like it's kind of the way it is, but I suppose now you know the 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 players will or the manager will start you know gradually kind of cranking it up because the championship season this year will start in the second week in August. So you know the the, the lads won't have county players. The likes of like Rory Cavan and Martin Regan, those with the bigger panels, they can run the rule over a lot of players now. Um, and then they'll probably just tune it in. Then the closer you get to it, but. Some of the games I found out kind of lacked bite. Then other games, you know, I was just putting the thing together. There, Movilla are now in Division Two. Like they drew with McCool's yesterday. It ended up seventeen points to one fourteen. It sounded like a bit of a cracking game where both sides could have won. So maybe, maybe it is kind of lifting a little bit now. So yeah, as I said, the only thing I don't think about those league days. I'll tell you, Sam, if you won the championship in the same year, it did seem to mean something. I don't know. Maybe it's yes. like the double thing when we're looking across the across the other sports but there was something maybe said that you had a good season in terms of listen you still won all your league games yeah you that, there those were those days you had the final in them days Brendan didn't you there's, like, there's chat about that coming back as well uh, uh, that's right that's right yeah. that's right yeah, yeah. Like, bring, sometimes you bring the memories back final, well. it fizzles out you're bringing the What's memories back. <laughs> You're bringing That's the memories right, yeah. back. Now, I forgot about those league fans as well. Like, good man. I, I have yeah. a block Alan, put on, on sport from back then because, you know, you talk about whatever, whatever things you won. There's, there's too many uh, uh, things hiding in there, demons of, of things that you lost. So I, I just kind of parked, mm-hmm. parked the whole yeah. lot. <laughs> Top class. Thanks for rounding that up, Alan, And I'll get talking to you as, as the summer uh, uh, goes on. Uh, but much appreciated. Yes, good to hear from Alan Foley there. Now we turn our attention to the Nicky Rackard Cup and Donegal with a very tough assignment going into Carrigmore at the weekend to play Tyrone and listen, they threw their lot at it but just come up short and now we talk to Hurling manager Mickey McCann. Mickey, your views on, on, on Saturday at the weekend, very disappointing? Yeah, I suppose as a group then, we're very disappointed. Um, we set our sights on one on the competition and I felt we had the team there to do it, you know, um, Probably, probably the first half. Then we, we we just we didn't play their our capability, but and, and tagged on maybe eleven or twelve wides, which which you know every time you must built momentum for them, and, and they were loving up our misses. And look, it give them a, a, a lifeline, and, and uh, I feel with ourselves to blame. You know, we just didn't keep the scoreboard taken over enough in the first half. They they put us in a good position at half time. So Grand Sex Town was wasn't easy, you know. Um, but we regrouped and, and come out and put on a great shift in the second half. But look, we just come up a wee bit short. Yeah, eight points in the first half, but you hit one eleven in the second. I suppose, Mickey, what you're saying is there really was a, a two twenty two there for you uh, in yep. that game at least. There was, Brendan. Yeah. You know, and we, we're, we have Declan uh, on Carrick last day missed a few frees at the start, and 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 then there was a weak bit of a swirling breeze down in the right corner, and, and we kept. Uh, not, not allowing for Brendan, we kept missing just slide off the right post every time, and, and no, eleven or twelve of them, and it's just that that gives them a great lifeline and, and, and momentum swings for them. Um, with us keep keep missing our chances, you know, and, and it, you know you know yourself to own they're, they're in your face, like you know when you did miss, and look, it took a wee bit of character at us at the start, but once we get them in and regrouped, uh, our boys did settle in the second half, but um, you're hundred percent right, you know, uh, we just. We just can't do that on the day. Must have chances and, and expect to be come out of them games, you know. Mm. And listen, Mickey, over the last number of years, you've, you've done a phenomenal job in terms of promoting and get, bringing this team and bringing it on. You know, there's metal in them, uh, Mickey, it's in there as well. And even parking all those things aside, but you know, as a coach, should not have, or should have went a lot better for you. You're always going to allow for a few wides, but you know in your heart that right that rack up a wide to them misses is, is uncharacteristic and it put you in the back foot. But you know you did pull back that four point in a row in the second half that you had 
brought the teams back level. We with 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 eight minutes to go at that point, were you were you feeling that you know that that this could be a day that you could turn it round? Yeah, once you got the one eighteen, one eighteen, one eighteen each sprint, the the momentum was with us, and, and and they were getting very tired, you know. And we sprung sprung a few young lads off the bench, uh, and Ray Campbell and and Liam McKinney, and, and look, they, they to be honest, they, they made a big difference to the game and gave us legs. And and, and Tyrone were getting tired. Um, just a manager point of view, you're, you're always thinking what well, you could do different, and maybe I could have sprung them earlier, you know, in hindsight. Because they were very effective when they did come on, um, but that's neither here nor there now. But um, we've been shooting a lot, Brendan, training and working hard, and, and a lot of shooting drills. You know, um, I say once that starts happening, you, you feel you feel like it's not your day. But then to get back to the level terms in sixty minutes, you think right, we're we're going to push on here now. Um, but to be fair, the, the Tyrone got a couple of lucky bricks that, that broke their way, and and, and the setter was over the bar, and they went two up again. You know, and, and we lost McDonough. At centre back, and we had a folder Sean McVay back into that spot, and we we, we lost a wee bit of shift in the five subs was on, and, and and losing back in the last ten or twelve minutes, lost a bit of shift first, you know, and and, and Casey t- tagged on a couple of scores near the end, you know. Yeah, that that thing in the back of your mind, I suppose, about we we only needed a draw to qualify. When we did get level at that time, were you thinking that if you had to took it down to that tight game, that, that it would have put a bit of pressure on Tyrone? They probably needed that bit of breathing space, so it wouldn't even have been an issue. Were you thinking yeah, that it could go that way if you know if in a tight game? You know, I know you never really legislate for a draw, particularly not in hurling. But it was something, I suppose, that was in the background that, that would have been enough to get us through. It was in my head then on the fifty-first minute when we were level. You know, yeah. and I felt if we had won the next puck out, the game was ours. I, I really do. Um, they were really getting tired and panicking, and they were knocking balls out for sixty-five. And, and look, there was a chance, goal chances there for us too. Um, Look, it was a fun and hair's breath of going our way and look, you need some luck on the day. Um, but uh, just come back, the first half, let us come back to haunt us because uh, if we are going in one or two point game at half time, we'd have been in the 60th minute, maybe five or six up at Constable. So um, nothing to, no, nobody to blame on ourselves, Bren. Very disappointing. It. And uh, look, we had a few bigger players that, that didn't play to their calibre or on Saturday, you know, and, and that's disappointed and disappointed for them, you know. Yes. Um, but uh, as I say, Tyrone... To be fair, Brendan, they've made things on there, but like ourselves a couple of seasons ago, they're up under Division 2B for the first time ever, and, and the, they've only bit once this year all in, you know. So, um, to be fair, Tyrone is a bit like ourselves, they're moving on, and there's very little on the two teams, Brendan, you know, and maybe, maybe the home advantage just, just put them over the, put them over the line at the end, you know. Yeah, and, and tell me, Damien and Casey too, having one of those special days, um, all those things working, they had one twelve uh, of their one twenty three. It was, you know, it's not the type of performance you want to get every day, but one of them days, it probably just everything fell right for him as well. Well, and if you if you if, uh, if you look through the scores, he's nearly getting that every week. Um, he's free taking phenomenal. You know, he's a ten out of ten. I think maybe he missed one one really hard one. You know, and. And if you foul anywhere from 100 yards, it's 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 nickable for him, and 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 he showed us that last year and again on Saturday, and we and we knew that. Um, but for a lot of spell that game, we kept him quiet. You know, maybe for the first 15 minutes, for spell in that second half, he hardly touched the ball. You know, but uh, them two puckouts after we get level, he seemed to get on the end of them and, and put it over the bar. So lucky, he's a big player for them. He stepped up in that last five minutes when it really mattered, and he's always going to get scores no matter who you've on him. Ben, he's probably one of the best. Forwards and Ulster, you know. Yeah, and and Mickey, just I suppose taking the whole season, and you know, I spoke to you a couple of seasons ago just about staying in Division Two B, and and that was a massive challenge for Donegal over the years. Something you were saying that could never be managed, maybe from your playing days, but now Donegal are right up there. They're 
you know they're they're well able to compete at that level, and the team's always progressing. And, and you, you have a throne team. There's a massive amount of work, as you said, going on in throne as well to progress their their hurlers. So you know Donegal are competitive. There's never much in it, and and for Donegal still the the season in terms of where they're at in the league and and how close you were in the championship. I know it's so difficult, Mickey, in that last uh, few days, but there's still a lot of progression in the team year on year, and there was this year again. There was, I and, and, and I suppose the main. The main thing is that, that that we put four or five young boys on this year, and look, they really are good players, Brendan. And maybe from a county perspective, we need to get more of a strength conditioning program and stuff for for them boys when they do come out of minors. That you know, if you're to push you on a bit, um, maybe looked after a bit more when when a minor footballer comes out or another twenty footballer, and you think he's going to be a senior player. That if you give them that couple of years to do to get balled up and get under a physique, you know, to get into a senior team and play Division 2B hurling, you know, um, because uh, this year, like, if you look at the league, we beat four Christy Ring teams in that league, so there was fine margins to get up from the from the Nicky Ragger to the Christy Ring, and I feel, you know, if, if, if we just get behind things a wee bit more and look after these good players that's coming through at 19 years of age and get a good, get them on a good programme and, and, and maybe put a wee bit more revenue on it, Bren, that, that Donegal Hurling could could get up to cross your ring level, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's important. I was going to ask you, but your, but your message—you've you've touched on a big part of it there, just about you know between the club and and and, and the county board. You do you, you want more in terms of that that level because the conditioning now, maybe we see it, you know, at at, at all levels, you know, but any grades, the power and, and athleticism—it's it comes first, you know. Um, you know, I, listen, we obviously never you have to be a skillful player, but if you don't have the physique, maybe you can have all the skill in the world you want. You can make a fairly strong, solid player. Some he, he can do something in the pitch. You know what I mean? It's it's terrible to say that, Mickey. But as you're saying there, if you don't have the power and and, and the strength built in you, then you're going to struggle at that top level. You know, and and when you're going into county county hurling, you're not going to be able. You're not going to be able for it. So what you're saying there is, we need more of a program from from uh, from minors up just to have those lads ready from when they from when they hit the senior that they're that they're ready for the the I suppose the the, the pace and the power that's coming at them. Yeah, and uh, look, there's four boys there, Ben, uh, Connor Gartland, Liam McKinney, Oshie Marley and Rory Campbell. And, and to be honest, uh, they've got a ring in terms of skill and things. So that, that's the main thing you need. Um, but I feel like if, if we look after, and there's a couple of other lads coming on behind that, um, you know, you're in a place to have a very strong Donegal team in, in a few years if these boys stick at it and, and get looked after and just set in the right road. That's what's going to be needed, you know. Um, as we went up to Kildare last year, Ben, the skill level was... was uh, not much in between us, but just the physique and the fitness, and yeah. just 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 that level above in terms of being heady and strength conditioning and stuff. So I feel that's where maybe Donegal Hurling has to go now, and, and maybe look after these boys, eighteen and nineteen, when they come out of that age group, and get them to that next level, and get them all on programs, you know, and and, and working hard to, to get get the levels up, you know. Yeah, well, listen, Mickey. If anybody knows what's next or what's needed in Donegal, it's yourself. A um, um, huge uh, body of work, but and but from your playing days, right into your management now. And listen, I don't know what the future holds for you, Mickey. And I don't want to be asking you this early uh, what 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 the situation is. But listen, whatever you you need a bit of time now to to decide what's next for you. Yeah, I would do, Ben, to sit down and and, and see. You know, um, last year I left Carrigmore. I was more definitely gone, you know. Um, but look, it's really over for a couple of days, so uh, we'll see. We've yeah. got to see what players want. Is there a new freshness needed there? Um, uh, just Tyrone, even even the backroom team numbers, then they probably had maybe double. What we have, you know, uh, teams are just moving on, and things are are 
need to change slightly. You know, we need to get more backing and stuff. And, and I feel that, that, that's the way forward if we want to stay at that level or, you know. Um, but look, we'll sit down. Our coach Gable very important this too, you know, and, and where he's at. And look, we have a great backroom team there at the minute. Uh, but I feel like we need a wee bit more help too. So um, I feel um, if you already take it, the one thing's going to be very important to get them young boys a good on a good strength conditioning program and and get the team up to a good level. You know. Yeah, great stuff, Ricky. Listen, I hope personally and way you do, and I think anybody else that knows anything about hurling in this county, not that I'm saying I do, but any hurling fans listening, will uh, be wanting you to stay on, Mickey. So listen, you you take your time off there, and uh, so listen, we'll, we'll speak to you at a later stage, and hopefully see you back again. Fair play, Mickey McKenna. What a servant he's been to Donegal to say both playing and in management, and hope to see him back uh, next year. And hope the county board listen in to what he needs, give the man the tools that he needs to build build this team and keep building this team. As I said at the at the top of the show, we're going to talk to now uh, Jerry McLaughlin uh, about his new book, and he's going to give us a wee poem to lead out the show. Uh, Jerry McLaughlin, how are you this evening, sir? I'm great, Brandon. Jerry, not at all. Listen, we had a fantastic night there uh, um, Friday, two weeks ago now, down uh, in between Ballyshannon and Balik. Um, the Breed of Me is the book. Uh, Jerry, you're a man steeped in, in, in the language and, and GA, as I say, years reporting and, and, and covering all things GA, Jerry. And there's, there's that poetic side to you as well. And, and uh, listen, Jerry, of, of things I've been at. It was such a different night. It was a brilliant night. Thanks so much for the invite. And you had, so, you had a stellar lineup of, of XGA legends there as well. I had, Brendan, and thanks very much for making a long trip from Letterkenny to come up. And in fact, there were a number of Letterkenny people who came up, and I hope I don't leave, leave out any of them because Carl Green and his wife were there, and Paddy Flood actually came uh, after a Ireland match, uh, just came specially for there. I, I was so privileged and so delighted to see so many people there. And yes, as you mentioned, there were quite a number of, of stellar figures. Um, when I was in UCG, I was lucky enough to hurl along with Conor Hayes, and I was lucky enough to be coached by Jim, by Joe Conor. And uh, both of those guys were very good friends of mine. I could, uh, I, I could say I knew them before they were famous because I knew, I knew both of them since 1975. And there was another great friend of mine from from uh, Spittle, a mad poet, but mad in a good way, called uh, Sean, Sean O'Custola. And uh, he, he sort of added to the entertainment factor. And of course, Anthony Malloy was there, yourself was there, Boric McShay, Jamie Grannon. I, I was really overwhelmed by the number of of, of great legends that were there. Uh, but just just turning to the book, you, you mentioned uh, the breed to me. The reason I wrote the book, Brendan, is on the front page. You see two wee pictures of my father and my mother because they both died within nine months of each other in 2017 and 2018. And I wrote it initially as a way of coping with grief, not not for, for publication or anything. But I found that when I started writing the poetry, something sparked and the words came to me. And I love doing it. Of all the things that I've done in journalism over my... This is the thing I love the best. And, and when you do something you love, you know, it, 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 it's a great privilege, actually, Brendan. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, Jay. And I suppose the poetry coming through that night, you know, as you said, because your parents are on the front of it, it resonates with different people in different ways. You know, there's a lot of references to, to places in Donegal and figures and just how you managed to articulate that then. I, I think everybody there, you know, it was a packed hall was there, Jerry, and it was a real testament to you uh, how the night went. But even for myself personally, just, just hearing the words come down there, it just, I suppose it just creates a, a, a something else inside of you. You know, as I say, everybody, I suppose, takes the poems in, in, in different ways, but even the people who are reading them, 
you know, as the, it was a whole night. There was a lovely atmosphere there. Yes, indeed, and uh, it's probably one of the best nights of my life. But uh, I suppose I, I thanked a lot of people there. And then I, I don't want to go through all that again because I might I might leave somebody else. <laughs> but I, I, just before I talk a little bit more about the background of the poem, I'm just so grateful to everybody that actually came there. That's what made the night. And I think, as I said at the end of the speech, I mean the big thing about it was the likes of yourself meeting up with Malloy, meeting up with Joe Connolly, your mother's a, a Galway woman. People meeting up in a great spirit of friendship. No rivalry, no, no, but great banter and great bonhomie, and that for me, that's where the magic is. But uh, I suppose turning to the poems themselves, you mentioned who they're about. They're about my father and my mother. They're about my uncle John, who was a mountainy man, a great republican, a bit of a poet himself in his own way, a storyteller. It's about my grandmother's people, the wards, and that, that's where I believe I got whatever small gift I have for putting things down on paper. They're brilliant people as well, too. About my brother Morris, about my, my brother Liam, who captain for Manus, senior footballers, and all so proud of them. They're about people, yeah, they're about real people. And people have this idea, Brendan, about poetry that is all highfalutin, and you must be in university to do it. Yeah. That's a load of crap. Poetry is something that's inside all of us, and it's very much in the Irish people, because we had the Irish language for thousands of years, and now we're, we're, we have the English language. And the reason that the Irish are so gifted with words, and I believe that as a race, we're exceptionally gifted with words. And the reason why, Brendan, is because we have the, the Irish language there. And secondly, yeah, yeah, you talked about places. And the place that's very dear to my heart. I was born in Minalek in 1958. And I was always special to my mother and father because our baby sister, Baby Rose, was born, still born, sadly, in 1956. And I wrote a poem about that called The, the, the First Minalek. And uh, even though I was only about two and a half when I left, uh, uh, when we left Minalek, that stayed, that memory stayed in my psyche. Because I remember my mother telling me that those old women used to look after me. In fact, I think Shuan McCafferty, who is a connection of Oni McGarvey's, uh, was actually at, at my birth. I didn't know that till somebody in Radley Gilded told me. So that, that's kind of poignant too. And I think that's part of the reason why I went on to do Irish and history in UCG. And we always came back to Guidor, the family. And it is a very special place. And I'm very proud to say that I was born in the Rosses. The second place then, of course, that had a big influence on me was Clahore, where we moved in 1961. We were lucky enough to be about two doors away from a great temporary hurling legend called Matthews and a great local GA legend called Willie Rogers. They were the giants of my youth, Brendan. They inspired me, and they inspired me to play, to play hurling and football as well, too. And then I went to uh, I, I, I went to boarding school in, in Castletown in County Leash. I think we talked about this before. My mother had great visions of me being a, a Dallas Al brother, but that, that sort of evaporated one night <laughs> after a debate with a convent in, in Waterford, and I'm not going to say any more yes. about that <laughs> place. And then I went to, just to finish out the place, then I went to UCG, and what a wonderful, wonderful place that is, filled with Donegal people, Clare people, Kerry, Galway, Mayo, I, I, I was only supposed to be there for four years, Brendan, but I took six years out of it. And my father, Willie, Lord of Mercy, and him, he said it was the longest holiday that I ever had. So, uh, you know, I, I, so places, yeah, w wonderful one. But I suppose maybe the most wonderful place of all is the little place that my father came to, a place called Corley. He was fostered out to a family there in 1925. They were called Moors because his mother died and his father, Thomas, had eight children to look after. Dad was born in Castlefin. So Corley was the big legend. Uh, was part
part of our childhood. They're a great football team. They played in the Democrat Cup final in 1947. Only then, only to be shafted at, at county board level. And I, I regret to say that Airwood did not come out too well of that because they were a bit pissed off that this small club were doing so well. So, so Dad gave us great love of Corley, that, that little cross-border place. They also had a, had their own uh, drama society. But in the 1950s, like a lot of communities, Brendan, Corley died. But they, they stayed in, in the memory of my father. And there's about three or four poems about Corley. So as you say, to wrap it up, people and places, very, very important to me. And, and the poems, they're simple, Brendan. They're not, you know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. And they come from the heart. Yeah, Curley will always live on, Jerry, with your poetry and so, uh, and your mum and dad, uh, a very, very poignant stuff. Jerry, just what you said there about the GA, you know, and the people there encapsulating a lot of our history and our values in the poetry. And listen, a lot of the testament towards you there that night. I know you didn't like it, Jerry, you're humble and that, but all those people were gathered there because of you and their and your influence in their lives. It was fascinating to see that. But Jerry, listen, I want to end the show. I want you to end the show with, with a poem. Would you do that for us? Yeah, yeah. And I'd like yeah, that to be the end of the show. So uh, first of all, I just want to thank Kenneth for producing the show and Head of Sport Ocean, all my guests that input it into the show tonight. We're talking about doing it up for the match next week uh, in Sister Sarah's. We're trying to pull that together right now. But I would like to finish off uh, the show with one of Jerry's poems, a poem of your choice, Jerry. So you can take it away and we'll finish on that. All right, sir? Okay, Brendan. <coughs> I had to think about this one, but uh, it came down to... One of my greatest friends, I didn't know him for very long. Uh, I worked with him in the Donegal Post for about three years, and there were three great years. And I learned an awful lot from him about about doing the job correctly, about being humble, and about dealing people, treating people with the utmost respect. And uh, the, the poem is about the great Michael Jack O'Donnell. It's just called Michael Jack. Are there warm winds, Jack, in that other Atlantis beyond the stars? Do the angels spread their wings when they see you snapping? Our proud chieftain of the camera, from Chirconnell's noblest clan, two dark eyes dancing with delight, tasting life through the teeth. I see you marching down Jones's road, somewhere always in those eyes, who could see way inside our souls, but never judged or jibed. Your words were carefully chosen and were gifts to be given away. And they were never used as sticks or stones to beat the broken. But Jack could send bullies slinking with just a look. And then there was the camera of the million clicks, that artist's brush, that painted pictures that will live as long as grass grows and water flows. Deep into the night, you made your magic for next week's papers. Gaelic giants from Glen, Ardra, Kilcar, Dunlow grew taller in the pages where Jack's heroes seemed to scrape the stars, in the pages where your captions were as famous as those shots, in the pages where you poured out your passion for truth and beauty, in the pages where your pictures told the world who you were and who you were not. You were Donegal in all its magnificent moods, in all its great grandeur, the county where the winds sing the secrets of Noreen Bawn, and the mountains lie like sleeping gods. But most of all, you were the blue and white of Nadlanta, with that clear ringing voice. How's it going, Caddy? It's not so great, Jack, since you left us on the first day of summer. But we are truly blessed to have known such a brave, noble soul, who quietly fought so magnificently against the dying of the light, who will be taking great pictures from an eternal blue and white star.
for summer is coming with soft footsteps to our Patrick Jack, and your light will shine even brighter in these lovely May moons. The DL Debate with Sister Sarah's Letter Kenny, serving food you'll love till 9pm daily in Sarah's Kitchen.